Do you realize that there are still places in the world where girls are having to go out in the shed when they're having their monthly cycle, where women are shamed because of their body's natural, creative, productive cycle? Today, we hear from Celeste Mergens, who is the CEO and founder of Days for Girls, and we'll hear some heart-touching stories of how she has stepped in to support girls around the world in changing the story about a woman's body. Join us for more. Join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show. Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. That show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, to the big mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments, sometimes two by fours that lead us exactly where we're meant to be in our lives to fulfill our purpose and, you know, and to those chapters that close and then new chapters open and the inquiry of why is this happening for me instead of to me? And those are the conversations that we have on Soul Nectar Show. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I love having these conversations. You know, my own journey to awakening and discovering who I am and what I'm here for has been quite a precious one. And I would say sometimes along the way, I didn't think it was so precious. I felt like, boy, this is really a burden. This is awful. This is painful. This is terrible. I don't want this anymore. Get me out of here. Can I just come home? Can I just go to my soul home and get out of this mess called earth? And and then as long as I've stayed and every time I've made that decision to stay, it's been such a blessing because I've discovered so much more about myself in the world. And what's most interesting to me is how our change in perspective can change everything and can open up just miracles left and right when we're willing to see through new eyes. And I always have guests on the show that inspire us week after week with their own stories about how those doors closed and other doors opened and what it was that they learned about themselves and what they're really here to do. And I love interviewing people who are doing the thing they're meant to do because that's super exciting for all of us when we can see that happening. So today is very much along those same lines. I welcome to the show, Celeste Mergens. Welcome to the show. Such a joy to be with you today, Jeff Carey. Well, you guys are going to find out just how special this lady is. So Celeste is the founder and CEO of Days for Girls, and she's led the organization since its inception in 2008. And this has been driven by 20 years of nonprofit and business management experience. This organization has won the SEED Award for Gender Equity and Entrepreneurship, was named as a Next 10 organization poised to change the world in the next decade by the Huffington Post, and is a two-time Girl Effect champion. And so she also is on Oprah's O Magazine, and you guys know how much I love Oprah. Like, oh, she's on my vision boards all over the place, and I hope she doesn't mind that. She's probably on millions of ladies vision boards because she's inspired us to step into our own power. And also this is cool. Married to her best friend, Dawn, for 40 years with 11 phenomenal children, 15 grandchildren, four foster children, four foreign exchange students, plus many beloved friends and and so many, so many girls that are influenced by uh, the work that Celeste is doing in the world. And you can check out more of her work at the Days for Girls podcast. And I'll actually be featured over there as well, which is so exciting. And so, mm-hmm. Celeste, that, I mean, that what an amazing story you have about your life. And people are wondering, were you just born knowing that you were going to work for girls? Were you just born knowing that this was your calling or did you have to arrive at that? I so did not know that. I thought I was going to be grow up to be a scientist, maybe an engineer, um, maybe an artist or a writer. I never, ever thought that I'd be doing what I do in the world. I have become an expert in sex and menstrual wellness. Never. That's just not on 
most people's list. And I actually was doing something I loved. I was the founder of a writer's conference, like writing, and people came from all over and we enjoyed the creativity and the juice of it. And I woke up every morning so excited about what I was doing. And then came the day that it was just really clear that door was closing. Nothing I did that worked before worked anymore. It was like slugging through mud all of a sudden. It was like nothing I could do could fix it. Contention broke out and I was, you know, that place of why? And even though I know the universe is working for us, not against us, it was hard in that moment and such grief that this thing that I loved, this world I was part of was dissolving for me. It was my turn to move on. Now, what's interesting is that I had come from a world of poverty where um, violence and instability was part of our home, where sometimes I didn't have a home, where sometimes I honestly didn't have water or food. And so I knew what scarcity could look like. And so imagine having this home with this beautiful, like the doors open to everyone to come. It's loving. I overlook the waters of beautiful Puget Sound. I love what I do in the world. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, we're changing. It was very difficult to surrender. Yeah, I when can I, completely see that. Like that, you got everything you wanted. You got your success. You got your comfort. You got you know, what your childhood dream probably was, that security. And now it feels like, oh no, what's going to happen to all of that? Exactly. So imagine that I finally get to that place that why is it so hard to get to that place when it always is so miraculous when you finally let go and let God and go, okay, this I'm okay. I'm, it's going to be fine. I finally got to that place and only weeks later, I was invited to go to Kenya with a friend's foundation and was able to say yes because my calendar was open now, was able to say yes because I was open thanks to the door closing. So imagine I get there. I'm so excited because this girl really loves science. So I was now able to get this, address poverty in parts of the world where huge poverty was existing and bring my science hat to create sustainable solutions. I went on to get a master's degree in sustainable solutions. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to help orphanages and communities. That's what I'm going to do. And then post-election violence happens in Kenya. Do you remember this? Like in 2008, half a million people were displaced because of election violence. And so this orphanage I helped whenever we were in town suddenly swelled to 1,400 kids. And then I learned that they are actually being sexually exploited at this orphanage for a single disposable pad, that they are so scarce that the only solution they had was to sit on a piece of cardboard for days. I was stunned that one, I never thought to ask. I never thought to ask. And two, that that something so key to our biology could be so twisted by others because they were vulnerable without what they needed. As a girl who also survived being attacked as a young girl, this meant the world to me to open that door and free them. The first girls that we brought our Days for Girls kids to, it happened because of my experience from the past. As a girl that survived hunger, I knew that even if we raised money for single-use pads, that if they needed food the next month, they would use it that resource for food, not pads. So how do you make a sustainable solution that would last month after month that she could count on every time she needed it? How do you do that? And we made the first washable pads, and it was a terrible design. I can say that (laughs) because I invented it. And we got into the room and I had asked, how do you teach them about what a period is? Who teaches them that? No one. uh, You can do that. I reached out to experts. No one was teaching it. Not even the World Health Organization had curriculum. We had this beautiful, sacred conversation together about you matter. Your body is amazing. 
and you have this amazing organ called the uterus. And without periods, there would be no people. And this is how your body works. And this is how you can be safe. There was a woman in the room that was invited to teach that was a graduate from the school. And she stood in her blue Kenya dress. And she's, her job was to talk about how to not be exploited, how to stand up and speak up for yourself. She walks to the front of the room. There's very little time to plan. There's very little time between when I learned of it and when I was coming to Kenya next. So I don't even know what she's going to say. And this is all she said. When a boy bother you, I tell you what to do. You tell him zip it. I said, just zip it. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to the side and you're like, yes, okay. It was a very big conversation and a very friendly, lovely celebration of who we are and that we can be safe and that we matter. And then that moment, the first girls came to the door and said with huge smiles, thank you so much. Because before you came, we had to let them use us if we wanted to leave the room and go to class. And I was hoping that didn't mean what I later learned it meant. But they were being exploited in exchange for a single pad. And that moment was about to change the rest of my life. I wouldn't, sorry, not have been there. I would not have had the empathy I had in that moment. I would not have had that profound connection if not for these really key, difficult things that I've been through. Every single one of them prepared me. Sorry. I know that if we survive and recognize that everything can work out for the good, no matter what it is, if we just trust and keep stepping but only if we survive, if we can help each other survive by giving each other hope and encouragement and even the smallest link of arms, even a pad can make all the difference in the world, not for one of us, but for all of us, because we are connected. Gosh, you just touched my heart. And I'm sure everyone listening is feeling the power of what you're doing. It seems so, it seems simple, but it's so, comp it's so um, far reaching in the way that it's serving to take these girls out of a condition of control, essentially, that's giving them freedom because they have their own solution for managing their menstruation. And, and also that teaching them that this isn't, um, a problem, you know, that your, your menstruation isn't a reason to be like, it's not a punishment, you know, which kind of feels like that, right? Like a, a young girl wouldn't know any different about her period being excluded, right? So belonging for humans is so important and mm -hmm. to be excluded and to be excluded because of this regularly occurring cycle that happens in a girl's life is what is so disturbing, I think, in all of the things you just said, plus the abuse, right? Plus the feeling like they're being punished and then the only way to get back to their class to do, to further their own selves and their own lives is to allow themselves to be violated by someone. Absolutely. I love how you just went right to the heart of it. This is about dignity, opportunity, and, and that awareness and surety that you matter and that your strength matters and that your days matter. That's why we call it Days for Girls. Today, we have reached, ready, 2.2 million women and girls in 144 countries on six continents, all because a door closed and I got the gift of saying yes to the next step. And you let your heart lead the way because... I'm sure you had that awakening in that moment of realization and said, I know exactly how these girls feel and I'm in a position to do something about it with my influence and my abilities and my, my training and my education and my privilege essentially to mm -hmm. be placed towards helping those who are not able to help themselves because of their situation. That's so powerful. I always get the message myself for many years now, I'm here to be the voice for the voiceless, to speak for the voiceless, right? And to take action and to say the things that they wish that they could say. And I say it 
and they they say thank you some silent way inside like i'm so glad you said that thing cuz i was too afraid to say it or i wasn't able to say it and what's interesting is that you know the dalai lama has said that the western woman will lead the way and the world and the world will heal because the western woman got courageous and stood up and said enough mm-hmm. enough of this abuse we won't have it anymore Let's and see. This other piece that came in to me um, from one of my mentors in Peru was saying that, you know, each continent during each astrological phase of life on in the galaxy, the continents on the planet, they each embody a different chakra. So the chakras are not just for our bodies, but the chakras are actually um, also continental. And so for this phase of the age of Aquarius or leading into the age of, age of Aquarius, the uh, United States, North America is the throat chakra for the world, for the mm-hmm. whole world. And so think about that. Like, it makes sense why Hollywood is like all over the place and everybody wants to know about Hollywood because that's that's the throat chest expression. And I feel like we can leverage that same mechanism that's in place as powerful Western women. We can step in and say, we have something to say on behalf of those who aren't able to speak for themselves. And we have, we have ingenuity that we can bring to the situation to disrupt the power matrixes that have been in place suppressing women and girls. Mm-hmm. And... We can have trust in each other. So from the beginning at Days for Girls, we invited women, communities, individuals from all over. Come on, join in. Here's how we're doing it. This is what we're doing. Become part of this movement. And people would sometimes say, you're trusting people to just do your brand and do your pattern. And how do you know you can trust them? And then all over the world, do you want to be an ambassador of health? Great. Here's the tools to do it. And there were many that said, you know, you have to have greater control. You have to, and while that can be true, and we had a lot of structure to put in as we went along the way, what I have truly seen is that if if you step into something with the willingness and desire to connect, to create a solution that is inclusive, and, and Days for Girls kits that are washable pads that last up to, we're being told, up to five years always come with something even more long living, which is the education and these inclusive conversations that invite communities where it's so taboo to talk about menstruation that you are not even allowed to be in your home in Western Nepal. You're expected to be in a shed where you are at risk of exposure. This is Nepal, animal attacks, snake attacks, but you are so untouchable. You're just supposed to wait in the shed. Or other places where you can't speak of it, you can't touch food, you can't be around other people, you can't touch the water source, Malawi and parts of South America. It's so intrinsically taboo. This thing that is related to blood and everything we think of in relation to blood traditionally will be injury and pain. And so if you shame someone that just didn't have the information what happens is we become other. What happens is pushback. If you invite them to make a new decision, for instance, with the Hindi pundits of Nepal, if you say, what if we ritually cleanse this pad instead of requiring them to be in the shed? It's been against the law to practice this tradition called chapati. That's the isolation of women and girls during menstruation been against the law since 2005. It's been a finable offense since the end of 2018, but still didn't end because it's all about barriers and shame. When instead the women of Days for Girls Nepal go into these very remote communities and sit and have women's circles talking together, giving the information, celebrating the health and wellness and amazing bodies they have, and then invite the leaders, what if we ritually cleanse this? What if you didn't have to have the government say you can't do this? What if you just made a new decision in support of your tradition? Then almost 20,000 women and girls were freed from sheds in just three years. Because now it's an inclusive conversation. And, And all of the invitation to come help us shift this in the world, this is something we can change. A lot of things are hard right now. COVID, disasters, climate change, 
otherness that's become so pervasive. This is something we can change and the very taboo of it can be instead watch what we can bring together and make inclusive. This taboo thing is an example of how we can not make each other wrong, but instead invite each other to the table. This example of something we can change can become part of women and communities linking arms to say things can and will change. This isn't a moonshot. This is something simple. People matter. Menstruation matters. And even the most simple things can make a profound difference when you do it from connection and invitation. Gosh, I I love how open your heart is about this topic. And I'm sure that you've had to do your personal work on this. And so, you know, catch us up a little bit because what happens inside of me is like astounded, disheartened that people would treat girls and women this way. Also, you know, I understand that shame vibration because I also experienced that even though I grew up in the United States. I had that sense of shame with my period cycle. And I didn't have like an initiation into that cycle. Like my mom was like, okay, well, now you have this. So here's some pads. You know, like I don't know what, I don't, not sure what kind of discussion to have with you about this. And, and Mm -hmm. I remember even when I was learning about tampons, because I had such a flow that it was like, I needed extra support. I could, it wasn't good enough for me. I needed more. And they didn't have the cups. I'm 52. So I didn't have any of that technology then. And my mom's friend had to show me how to do it because my mom was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, it's too intimate. I'm not telling you about that. So it's just interesting. Um, There were many ancient traditions, indigenous traditions, where the women's menstruation was a blessing. You know, it was something to celebrate, was something to honor the earth with, actually, even our menses, like honoring the earth with the menses. And it was interesting for me to find out one time when my stepdaughter got her first blood, her first moon, um, I did is I, I asked her mother and, and we came together for her and we did a celebration in a sweat lodge, right? Mm-hmm. For her first mm-hmm. at the first to, to create this tradition and initiation, like you're just entering into womanhood now. So let's mark that. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate that. And let's talk about so you get a history on how, what I experienced when I first had mine and what her mom experienced. And then some of the other ladies that came to, to celebrate with her. And it was a beautiful experience. And one thing that surprised me though, was um, the curandera said, who led this event said, you know, why do you think that women are not allowed into sweat lodges if they're on their period? And I said, well, because men are chauvinists, <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. I mean, I thought, because men are chauvinists and, you know, they don't, because of the shame of of it and all of this kind of stuff. And she said, no, that's not true. I said, what is it then? She said, because a woman on her moon has so much power, so much power that if she's in the sweat lodge with the men, the men cannot sit up. They have to lie down. That's how much power one woman on her menses has in a sweat lodge. And so I thought that was very fascinating to understand some of that dynamic that as women, we, we, are, we have so much raw power when we're going through our menses. Mm-hmm. So then to have it be twisted up and turned upside down is like, yes. is the big lie. Absolutely is. And it's prevalent all over the world. And education and awareness is part of it. But what you just shared with us is also part of it, I believe. The more of us that recognize that we are amazing, the more of us who call it right now in a lot of, even where we live, people would rather talk about diarrhea than menstruation, yes? So the more we say, it's like a bricklayer saying, I lay bricks. And another one saying, well, I what I do is I build walls. And another one saying, no, I'm building a cathedral for the future. What if we do that everywhere around conversations about menstruation? Not, I'm bleeding, don't talk about it. Not, I'm a menstruating person and it's a healthy part of being a natural woman, which I love that shift. What if we take it to the next level? I am a powerful part of creation and my very body flows with that. If we can change it 
in a way that people recognize this and make the context, all of us, the more of us that shift to, I am so grateful that all of us have this in common, men, women, people who identify as anything got here by virtue of a period. I mean, that's just the connective tissue, literally, that makes us all bound in this beautiful flow of life. What if we got to that place? And I I think having what you need and having the education is the first step to that. Often people will say when I say, we celebrate periods, they go, oh, come on. It's hard enough to just accept it and the pain of it and the awfulness of it, let alone celebrate it. And I just say, yeah, because we're building a cathedral. Our amazing world is connected by this thing we've been afraid of and ashamed of. And we need, it's one of the keys, I believe, to how women have been sold the lie that they aren't as good, aren't as worthy. Imagine being a little girl and you've been loved by your dad and your mom and you're in this safe environment. And all of a sudden this starts in this painful thing for some that you don't even know what it is. And suddenly you can't be with them. Just be out there. Don't talk about it. You can't be with us anymore. You're dangerous. How does she not? feel that she's less than when she's not even able to be and she's in with the cattle not with her family i am so grateful that conversations like this can happen that we can recognize actually this is amazing and i'm so proud to be part of that flow yeah flow indeed you know and and you know my my recent book i wrote this year was love is fierce healing the mother wound and you know, so when you were talking about how we all can be grateful for our very lives because this flow happens through a woman's womb, like without this flow through a woman's womb, there would be no human beings. There would be no babies. There would be no human beings. What would be the shift in our own and collective consciousness if suddenly we were revering a woman's womb and we were revering a woman's blood and we were revering a woman's vessel, what would be the shift in consciousness that would happen for all of us knowing that babies are formed inside the consciousness of the woman? So the woman's consciousness becomes the children's consciousness. So if the woman is feeling ashamed of her body, is feeling separate, is feeling abandoned, is feeling not good enough, is feeling unworthy, then does it surprise anybody on the planet why we have an epidemic of people feeling unworthy, unloved, not wanted, separated, disconnected, shunned, not included? Why do people feel that way on the planet? I believe it's because of how women have been treated for the last thousands of years. And so if we'd like to see a planet where human beings feel connected and loved and supported and revered and honored and celebrated, we got to start by honoring, revering, and celebrating the women who become the mothers that then birth the baby's consciousness into being. That's where it all begins. And so always helping women to step into this and mothers in particular, it's my passion because I believe it starts with us claiming it for ourselves because no one's going to do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. You're so right. And I have learned for myself that we get the chance, the opportunity in any moment to change the decision we made about our experience or how we judged ourselves. And this is what I mean. When something happens, we make a category for it. So my menstruation is a pain and it's such a fill in blank here. Or any other experience, we set a category for that. Either um, it was bad or that experience was traumatic or that experience was awesome. We get to choose that. And sometimes we look back at things as a trauma point and that trauma point holds us back and we're really literally anchored in our thoughts and in our patterns to this trauma that happened and we're trying to worry our way through it. I believe that instead we could go back to that moment, open the moment up when we made the decision of how to say what this thing means and change the meaning. Change the meaning to actually, this is what I got out of it. 
And this is the strength I'm taking forward. And actually, it's this just like the bricklayer. Actually, I'm not just laying bricks. I'm going like I've got a trail of cathedrals that I've been part of. And I'm a cathedral builder, right? And I am actually a shaper of humanity. That's what's happening. So, of course, it might be painful sometimes. Hello, I'm shaping humanity. Um, we can reshape that experience. And, and I think that for menstruation, every time we do that, it's a drop in the right direction towards a shift that matters so, so much. Oh gosh, it's so beautiful. Yes, yes to everything you just said. I feel like we are doing the work, whether we realized we were doing it or not. I know that all of us individually have been called forth to work on this collective shift mm -hmm. in consciousness. And I see so many of my sisters out there that are, you know, thriving in their divine feminine and they're just like, you know, just blossoming. And, and I've watched that happen and been like, wow, that's so impressive. And then that helped me to be inspired, you know, to, to, to see, well, what's, what's my unique divine expression? What's my part to this flow? And then being in a space to, con you know, to support others and claiming that for themselves, like re really reclaiming our identities as women with our own self-choice around how we honor and revere our vessels. And I have to say, like, I was, um, when I had a period, I was not in a healed space, right? I was not of a mentality. I was um, of the, the other mentality I see prevalent in a lot of mainstream America. but now, like I wanted to get my, I wanted to get it back because at some point I, I was like, oh gosh, I want to experience this again from this lens. And then I had this one unique opportunity where it sputtered to life just for like twice, you know, last December and January, just sputtered back to life. My womb was like, okay, here you go. Here's one last <laughs> hurrah, you know, and make the most of it. And I had to say, I was with the pain in a different way. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my womb coming back to life. This is my womb, like, like healing itself. This is my womb just talking to me. I'm like, oh, I feel you. My lower back, everything was just like, and I was like, oh yeah. And I wouldn't take any painkillers. I was like, nope. I don't want any painkillers. I just want to feel it all. I just want to, yes, because this is the last time it's probably going to happen. Oh, and it just, it was so amazing to me to have that experience. It was cathartic, you know, and I was so grateful it happened. I took my menses. I put it on the earth. You know, I was like, oh, I get to do it. I only got to do it once, but there it was, you know, I got to, I got to do this thing. And I was like, wow, I'm part of this, what these younger women are doing. And I got one chance to participate in it. And I was so grateful. <laughs> to do it. I love it. And I love, love that you came. I actually am 58 years old and my period just started, stopped a couple months ago. I think because I was just feeling it for so many. I was like, I was going for all this woman in the world to menstruate, but it, it did come to an end. <laughs> and I found that this too is part of that release thing. You know, the hot flash, the the mood swing that can happen when all of our hormones are shifting again. And I found that if I just called the um, hot flashes a power surge and just welcomed that and went, ooh, power surge in action, of course, because we're bringing it. Um, and, and embrace that too, that even on this side, I feel a little tinge of regret. Um, my skin is changing a lot, I'm noticing since... Um, since I don't have a period, I've, I've noticed that. But I also feel, I don't know, somehow like I get to be the keeper of the other side of this and, and be mature in a new way. It feels, this too feels good to me. And this feels like a wisdom place that I can say, okay, I'm on this side. It's going to be fine. Just follow me this way. Power surges will be fine. It's all going to pass. You're about to cocoon again. A whole new, like you don't care what people think anymore because you are doing this life. I find it amazing that every phase is a new kind of gift. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I also am getting this power surges. And I have a friend that calls us hot women. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm a hot woman. And I will, I'll get these flashes of heat. And and I, of course, I, I still get my hair done because I like the red, but I feel mm -hmm. like, that just exemplifies that energy for me. And I open up my spinal column and I open up like my hips and I just let this energy just like, whoosh, you know, up and out. 
And it feels so good to just be in my flow and in my own power. And hopefully, you know, it inspires others. Like, I feel like sometimes in the Western culture, we might, we, we so worship the maiden that we, we don't really honor the mother so much, you know, enough maybe, or we kind of go, oh, I don't, you know, that mother archetype, so much work. And then we definitely, when we start to get close to crone, we're like, oh, breaks, you know, like, I, <laughs> so there's like this middle ground now, apparently it's called autumn. I'm like, I can embrace autumn. 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 Okay. I, autumn. Well, yeah. See, there's another example, if I may. We're going down all these um, pathways. Hopefully, yeah. everybody's okay. It's a big yeah. conversation. If you, see this hair, if you could see this hair, you would see that it's half of it's white, right? And and for years, I started getting a little strike of streak of white when I was 19. For years, I dyed it all different colors. It would dry it out. I had just been traveling all over the world doing Days for Girls, uh, five different countries in very quick succession. And my hair grows fast. So my hair ended up being eight different colors. Long story. One of them being purple on accident. And finally, my hair to get it mostly the right color was like straw. I land and I'm in Guyana. I am exhausted. I've just done 192 flight hours in just a few weeks. I land. I'm supposed to meet with the first lady of Guyana the next day. It turned out that Venezuela invaded northern Guyana. So they they said, if you want to meet with her, it's got to be right now. My legs are swollen. My body's swollen. My hair looks like straw. I And there is a reporter there. And they take a photo. And the photo is awful. I'm standing next to this beautiful Guyanese, elegant first lady and a friend of mine, elegant, beautiful. And I am just, I mean, my body is deaf and my hair is saying enough. And the newspaper has this front and center everywhere you go in Georgetown, Guyana. And, and it stays on for days, not one day, days. So everywhere you go, here's this photo. And I'm like, oh, please. And I finally asked the question. I, I seriously cannot have my hair doing these things. What do I do with my hair? Please tell me what to do with my hair. And the feeling was leave it. I've never, ever had my hair do what it needs to do. It's whole, I mean, like my hair is, my children call it the beast, but it works now because a small little question, what do I do with my hair, led to leave it. And sometimes we try to force these things when, if we just leave it and go actually loving this and really reclaim your identity, I Call what it is you want. I I say I work with world-class individuals that are joy to work with that change lives just by walking our path. I love every day and everything flows well in my life. I love this journey of joy and love. Call it, and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks, do your hair how you want to do it, trust. And it's amazing what shows up. It is amazing. Yeah, it's oh, I love your hair. It looks gorgeous. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is all about us redefining ourselves as women and what's important and what's, you know, what do we want to ex- how do we want to express ourselves, you know? So my hair is one of the ways I express my fiery nature. Like, yes, I'm yeah. fire, you know? And so I like it that way. But I feel like we all get to choose, you know, we all get to choose what this, this new paradigm of women looks like and feels like, Mm -hmm. and there's not one size fits all, you know, that's, that's the biggest change I see is, is like embracing the unique thumbprint journey, allowing every person to be who they are and take their, take their own steps. And of course there are some, you know, some shared parts of the journey. Like you talked about yourself with the young girls, there's, there's aspects where we can connect with one another and understand each other and bring value to each other using our gifts. So I love that you brought your science to help support, you know, (laughs) women and girls in their freedom and their body freedom and body acceptance and in rewiring that whole planetary matrix around, you know, what's the value of a woman? And we get to decide that for ourselves now. Absolutely. May I share with you a moment where that decision changed everything for yes, me? Yes, please. So I was five years old, about five years old. Our family was living at a state park at the time. And I was walking along a sidewalk. It 
was sparkling, you know, how the sun shines on the silica and the sand and, and of the concrete. So I was walking along a path and a dog walks in to, to my view. And I look down at this dog and it has a glistening rhinestone collar up to the owner's hand. And she has in her hand a half-eaten apple. And I'm looking at it now. I, I honestly hadn't eaten in at least a day. And fruit was something that didn't happen often. And, and so she throws this half-eaten apple, which in my mind was huge, I'm sure it wasn't, <laughs> into the dumpster by us. And I'm staring at it. And I'm wondering if I can get in that dumpster and be able to get out with the apple. So I'm staring at the dumpster. And then you get that feeling in the back of your neck that this person's staring at you. So I turn and look at her and she's looking me up and down, you know, that judgment look. And she says, where are your shoes, girl? And my automatic response, I remember, because I repeated it a thousand times in my mind, I used to think of her as Corella DeVille. Do you know this movie? <laughs> I said, I'm toughening my feet. And in that moment, it was like a mirror turned. And I could see what she saw when she looked at me. I could see that she saw a girl who was dirty and clothes were too small and no shoes. And I didn't tell her, I know this sounds like hyperbole, but I, I literally had no shoes right then. I had a habit of tipping them out. So they wore off and my mom would cut them down and, and it was over and it was summer and it was fine. So I had no shoes, but I didn't tell her that. I, I just witnessed that moment and what she saw when she looked at me. And, and I had this feeling just well up from inside me. I am not what you see. I am not from this place. I am not what you think. And in that moment, she had already turned away. I, I didn't even get to say anything else. But I got the gift of deciding for myself who I am. And recognizing that we are not our circumstances. We are the decisions we make, the path we choose. We are what we choose. She didn't have that power. And I used to think of her as, like I said, Gorilla DeVille. And now I recognize for all I know, that could have been an angel because I got the gift at just five years of age. Are you the homeless girl? Are you the girl that is hungry? And I was so clear. I am not. That gave me the gift to go into communities where there is so much need and not need to judge them for the lack, but need the need to celebrate. What is it you want? What is it we can do together linking arms? I'm so excited about the future you will create. And just absolute assurance that we are held in this life, that this journey, no matter how dark it may look, can have a phenomenal outcome later if you breathe in and out through it and trust that you are held. Today, I don't, I can work 18 hour days. I did yesterday, have time and experience with my family and do the work I do. And it doesn't feel like a rock. I am lifted by it because, sorry, it is the joy of my path. And it's probably not the only thing I'll ever do because I also learned by the experience of the door closing on my earlier career and opportunity, we're not what we do either. We're not the awards. We're not the relationships. We're not, it's all part of the journey. And it is way bigger, more joyful than we can possibly understand. So we might as well enjoy it. We might as well celebrate it. And we might as well define it for ourselves. So powerful. Oh, gosh. What a huge heart opening. Ah, oh, I'm just like feeling all that right now. Woo. The thing that's resonating with me so strongly is like part of my healer training. You know, when you step out to be a healer for other people to support them in their healing journey, this is like this, such a crucial aspect of being a healer is what you just said is how you see someone. Like how I see someone as a client and the attitude or the perception I hold of them makes all the difference in their healing. Because if I see them as wounded or broken or sad or, you know, I'm, I'm creating those micro judgments, 
then that is getting in the way of their healing because that's activating with them all the places that they feel that way about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the greatest service I realized that I could give any of my clients or anybody in the world really is to just look at them through like, you are a divine being. You are capable of anything. You are infinite. You are boundless. You are in your a heroic badass for choosing to be on earth at this time. Like you are such a hero, like, because being on earth at this time, it doesn't matter what body you're in or what storyline, what life, what you've created for yourself. We're all doing the ancestral healing right now. We're all reversing the paradigms. We're all stepping into the future. And that requires so much like inner work and experience and moving through the emotions and moving through traumas and little things that could, that are asking like, are you gonna be defined by that? Like every single person on earth is going through their own version of that right now. So like to see people as a total badass, like you're such a heroine, you're such a hero, like you chose to be on earth at this time, that really helps me as a healer. And it helps me in those moments where I do, I'm human. So I have those moments where I, I go, how could people act this way? You know, like I have those thoughts, right? And it's like, okay, how do they, because Carrie, it's so It's like, it's just like that on earth right now. And we're moving through so much stuff. And so anybody that chose to be here is capable of it completely 100%. And you can still have the empathy, right? Like the empathy is so legitimate, like, but you're seeing them through their empowerment, not through their victim. And that too can change the context for, right, Carrie? You can have judged them this way and then open that moment that you, those moments you chose that judgment and change it. Like, I guess it's almost like the power of time travel. Yeah, it is the power. In that moment, you say, (laughs) I've changed my mind. I actually see you as amazing enough and abundant and capable. And you called in what you needed. Good for you. I celebrate you. We can just go back and fix that. We, We tend to think that we are stagnant, that other people are stagnant, that we put them in a box. You are this or you are that. And we can undo that for ourselves and for others and for our world. We don't have to say this is a completely broken piece and we are all separate and we are all, you can change your mind about all those moments, as many as you want. It's amazing. It is. The Toltec call it recapitulation. So yeah, it's very powerful. And it changes, it changes the timeline. It changes the whole timeline. The whole timeline can, so you go back to those traumatic moments you were talking about. That's what we do in shamanic healing is we go back, we recapitulate that, we clear the energy and we say, okay, what did, what would you have desired to happen? What's your preferred outcome? You know? Mm-hmm. And then it, people are saying, well, that's just your imagination. I'm like, uh, kind of, I mean, but so <laughs> it's powerful. It works. Just, you have to try it, right? It's one of those things you have to try mm-hmm. And then you experience how things get lifted when you start making those new choices and going back and like redoing it. It actually opens a lot of things up. Things change. Exactly. Because how it landed in you has to do with the interpretation you gave it and the energy and emotional response in that moment. So it absolutely changes it for you if you change that response. And you could change that response in any moment. That's been such a gift to understand. It just makes sense to me. And I'm a science girl as well as a spiritual girl. Yeah. Um, Well, quantum physics. Yes, it is. (laughs) In action. So awesome. So amazing. So you have a new book coming out, don't you? I will be. um, It's currently called Finding Days. It's the story of Days for Girls and my early life. And the experience of this journey of recognizing the beauty and lessons and things and how they connect us to powerful outcomes, celebrating all the good that Days for Girls does because of the amazing individuals linking arms and the powerful stories of those who have shifted the community response to menstrual inequity where they live and brought greater dignity, health, and opportunity. I'm so excited for the world to get to read it. Yeah, I am too. As soon as that's available, we will post that in the show notes. And in the meantime, we'll post links to Days for Girls and to the podcast. Is there anything else you want to just part with as we wrap up the show? Is there any 
just from your heart, any bit of wisdom, just nugget, anything that's calling you forth to say at this time? We all matter so much in this journey. And right now, when there are so many reasons to believe that there is fear um, as our primary response, that there are reasons to despair, that the hopelessness and what could happen in the future, we are the ones that get to respond. We are the ones that hold the energy, the potential for love, the potential for healing, and the potential for just like the door closing that made Days for Girls possible. What if things closed just enough so we could open up to a whole new possibility none of us ever saw coming? Together, we can hold that hope. Together, we can have the faith and hope that it is coming together. We can be part of the transformation. We don't have to fall for the lie that things have to be horrible. We don't have to fall for the lie of separation. We can stand and believe in the dignity and opportunity and health of our whole world in a world where we all have full opportunity every day. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. That's gorgeous. That's what I would call dreaming in the new dream. That's where all we all get to co-create that. And we are anyway. So if you don't realize you're co-creating the reality, then it's a good time to realize that and change what you're co-creating if you don't like it. So <laughs> just an invitation. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'll put links to all your places and we're going to give kisses on the way out. Would you like to join me in giving everyone kisses? Okay. Yes, please. Here they go. We love you, everyone. Please share this episode out. Like, subscribe, follow all the words and give it out to anybody that you think would be inspired by this episode who would love to learn more about Celeste and about Days for Girls and Soul Nectar Show. So like, subscribe and do all that good stuff. We love you. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Awaken Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are. Yeah, yeah.